Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Studio Insights with the Bell Vista Studios team. We're super excited to bring you value this week where we're going to be asking each other questions, learning from each other, and taking our crafts to the next level. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to remind you of our human-centered design ultimate kit cohort which is an incredible experience where you learn human-centered design through a playbook, an online course, and you get other peers to be in coaching sessions with you. You also get individual coaching sessions. So basically it is everything that you need to be able to conduct a human-centered design process and make hectic impacts with your projects. So check it out in the description below. So let's get into the episode. Kim, you can ask the first question. All right. Hannah, my question's for you. So you're learning Japanese at the moment? I <laughs> please translate. <laughs> um, I should have asked my question in Japanese actually. See if you get it. I was wondering if there was any um any transferable things we should be applying to our learning solutions or considering from how you are learning Japanese. I think the best part of my current learning for Japanese has been that you start off simple and it builds on that one simple thing. Mm -hmm. So rather than giving you lots of content at once, that can be very overwhelming. Like, for example, rather than teaching me to say a full sentence, yeah. I might like one word. And then I attach another word to that one word and then I attach another word and then another part. Mm -hmm. um, I think that has been the best, like not giving them all the information at once, but teaching them something, getting them comfortable with that and then adding more advanced parts to it. Mm. And it's so much easier because I can like say a full sentence and I don't see it as a full sentence. I see it as like, I know that part, I know that part, and I know that part. And I just need to like put it in the right order. So that has been the best. Um, what else? Definitely practice. So not just like hearing or reading something, but actually getting the opportunity to like do something. Because mm. with the, so I'm doing an audio book. I probably should have said that at the beginning, but um, it's really good because it will tell you how to put a sentence together. And then there's like a gap in the audiobook where you have to repeat it back. Mm. And the Japanese person will say it and then you say it and then they say it. So it's like really good practice and getting you to like keep doing it. Um, repetition as well. So like the audiobook goes for about 13 hours and something you learn in the first hour might be brought up in like hour four and then hour seven and then hour 10. So like things are continually brought up and it's really helpful because like you think you know something and then they say it again and you're like, oh, what was that thing again? And it's not until you like get to do it like many, many times that it becomes like ingrained in your memory. So definitely repetition. Um, I think making it relevant and useful as well so everything that I'm learning with the Japanese are things that I could see myself using if I went over there so it's not just mm. like random sentences never say it's like if you're in a restaurant how to ask for help how to ask for the bill 
how to say you're going to go eat with someone and like mm. all the words you learn are like restaurant, bar, department store, like anything that's like common in Japan. Mm-hmm. So it's all like very useful. I think it's almost like having a subject matter expert. So the fact that there's a native Japanese speaker that's mm. part of your book as well as an English speaker. So the English speaker provides the context and then the native Japanese speaker like shows you exactly what it sounds like in the real world. So I think mm-hmm. having of the subject matter expert who like knows the content, but then having someone that helps it become easier for you to comprehend, if that makes sense. Mm. it's slow I don't know if it always needs to be slow but the speed is very good too like it's very slow the way the audiobook runs and that's really useful when you're learning something like that that's complicated like not to rush you or make you feel like overwhelmed and you have to keep Mm. going I think that's the main things that's cool one just one thing around um like their symbols, letters are different to ours. How are you learning that? Because the audiobook, like I don't, you obviously can't see the symbols. So how are you learning that? And yeah. yeah. Um, so I use Duolingo for that. Mm. Um, and the way, so I know Hiragana and the way I learned that was like, Oh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like association. So like I see a character and I've yep. made up a story about the character that sounds like the sound that the character makes. Mm. <laughs> so for example, one of the symbols is like it looks like a hill and then there's like a line coming off the hill. Okay. And I know car because I see it as like the car driving off the hill. So right. I stories associated with every single character that helps me know what the character is and then ku okay. is like that and I see it as like a beak opening up like a bird mouth like a cuckoo bird mm. so that's how I learn that <laughs> okay so no that's cool I like that there's how does it work then when you put the symbols together like I don't know if car and ku go together but instead of just looking how does it work when you go from one symbol to multiple symbols that might be either a sentence or a phrase or a word um well that's where like the audiobook comes in handy because that's when you know like I know that, like eating is tabimashita so to read that I'd be like ta be ta mm. so read all the symbols together know yeah. what so I'd be like, okay, I've read the symbols out. It sounds like tabi mashta. And then I'd know that tabi mashta means I ate. Bloody hell. That's complex. That's cool. Wow. I do feel like it's easier to learn, like, just how to say things from the audiobook. I've realised that. Like, hiragana, I've got it. But, like, getting any further with the characters, it's very hard to put them together and, like, know what the word is unless you know the, like, I don't know. I think it adds more value to know what to say than <laughs> reading these all these little characters personally. So instead of kind of constructing things, which would be through the like characters, you're 
it's almost like you're remembering which is through the audio audio yeah. hearing it and audio saying it which is yeah. like conversation and that's where the most value for you probably is anyway so you're more motivated to learn that style but is that what you mean yeah it's harder for you to construct because it is quite complex that what you described yeah it takes longer because you have to learn every single character and then you have to read all the characters figure out what it's saying as one long thing yeah and and remember whereas if you just remember what something sounds like without seeing it on paper <laughs> it's probably like a shortcut like it's quicker but it will get me like it got me into trouble the other day when he held up katakana and I was like I have no idea <laughs> what that says I only know hiragana which was like I could pick out little bits mm. but it probably you- means find the shortcuts right <laughs> I'm trying to find the quickest no but way. that's good that's cool I'm just like, geez, you'd have to have a good memory to like remember all the things that you're like, I'm in an eating situation now. And what do I have from my memory to be able to order or say, I want this. Now I'm in a transport situation. Just like, what if it goes to like, I don't know, <laughs> like so much memory, but it's interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Well, like even with drinking, it's no me mashta. And I learned mm. that as no me, like no me, I don't drink. Like, not me. Like, when someone asks whether you drink alcohol, I remember it as, like, no, not me. <laughs> Weird. And then, like, just out there like- sprouting lies. <laughs> <laughs> you little <laughs> crazy-ass <laughs> alcoholic <laughs> nandrix. <laughs> and then for the bill, I imagine it's okay care is the bill. And I'm imagining we're all at the table and only Kai cares about the bill. So I'll be like, oh, okay cares about the bill, but none of us are going to pay it it's so like no I've heard those memory things before like to I remember going to a conference one time you know Gerald Porschman and he literally there was over 100 people and he had used some sort of technique like that before he was the keynote speaker that opened and um, he memorized or every single person's name in the audience and so we all stood up and he was like blah 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 and he was able to we all stood down or sat down when he'd said our name but he literally like looked at the person and was like Kim and like good to have you here today Kim you know it's great to see you again Victoria I remember I don't know having beers at blah 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 with you last time so yes there was an element of like he knew some people in the audience but then he was using some sort of association to be able to like he'd gone around that morning making sure he'd met every single person and made the association and then was able to recall it. Yeah. Mm. Do you have any additional with your French? Um, I fucking, it's motivation for me. <laughs> it just comes down to being motivated. Like what's the motivation behind learning the language? And then you probably care more. Like I've learned so many languages in the years, like I've spent years studying different languages and I could not, even in Irish, I wouldn't be able to, like, we can say silly things around, like with people, you know, how's it going? Like, how's your day going? What, What are you going to the shop for? That sort of simple stuff. But like, I studied that for like over 10 years and now without the application, I can't speak. that language um same with like French same with German like so it definitely is there's a big thing around motivation 
to know that when when I think about the transferable application, like why should someone care about learning this particular thing? Mm. Um, what's the accountability is like the second thing, because if the motivation isn't too high, I need the accountability. But let me get let me think about. Um, the actual language, learning the specific language itself. Um, so like for me, I've studied French for many years, can't say anything in it now. So don't anyone reach out. I remember someone reached out and was like, can you please be on our podcast? But it was in French. And I was like, I would freaking love to be able to on your podcast. <laughs> I don't know why you think I can speak French, but I'd love to be at, like, that was a goal then. I was like, that'd be so cool if I could go and speak about our stuff in French. Like, that's a dream that I'm not motivated to fulfill anytime soon. But um, so if I've learned it before, it's a little bit different, right? Because I have a memory bank. It's just back, 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 very deep with many cobwebs and dust on it. So for me, what I find is like a speedy way to recall that the things that I have studied for so long is if I listen to music or if I watch TV or if I watch um, like a, a movie, I it's a like a speedy acceleration of recalling vocabulary um, because they'll say like, get in the car, like une voiture. And I'm like, whatever they say in the sentence, I'm like, une voiture, okay that's car. Now I didn't have to go and read, which I struggle with memorization and recalling. I didn't have to go and read like a big list of like vocab and learn it and like learn it off by heart, like five words a night for fucking 500 years to build my vocab. Now I'm able to just put myself into a situation where I can pull out little bits of vocab and go, oh, that's that word. And then there's certain things. Actually, I remember one time I've tried to learn Spanish as well. I was not motivated to do this. It was just kind of like, I don't know, spare time. Um, but in doing that, I watched, um, oh, I can't use the language, but uh, <laughs> the, what's that? The drug guy, the Colombian kind of, what's his name? El Chapo and those things on Netflix, the shows. So same yeah. thing. I'm learning like you a language from scratch that I don't have any like history in. So we start watching like El Chapo and like those kinds of like drug lords. It's all in Spanish with subtitles. And so there's certain words that are common. Uh, one of the words, I'm not going to say it, but it's a derogatory term. And they just kept saying it in the TV show. And so then <laughs> you're like, what are they saying that over and over for? You find out what it is. And then you can almost predict when it's going to come up in the show. So now I've got my own little phrase it happens to normally be the derogatory terms that you learn first, but there is that like, this is a repetitive thing coming up all the time. So yeah, that, what else about um, the actual language? Mm -mm -mm. Don't know, I'm trying to think. Oh, do you know what I find? from the construction side of things, one of the things that I find, because it's the ability to practice, that's where I've lost my skills in languages, is that I have not practiced in like over 15 years probably. So I am now like, well, how do I put myself in that opportunity to practice? One of the things that I find good is I'll jump onto Google Translate and try and diary entry about the day. 
So the things that I'm learning from the movies and stuff, I'm trying to construct sentences yeah. and from my memory bank of like, I, I went, blah, blah, blah. I am going to, and then I'm starting to go, well, I, I know how to say today I worked, but I don't know how to say tomorrow I'll do this at work. So then I'm learning about the future tense and then I can learn about that. Um, so yeah, that construction of journaling and typing it in and doing it that way has been useful, I think. Yeah. I'm articulating this very well. No, that's cool. But I, I have, oh, awesome. sorry. There you I go. was just going to finish on what I've done now is because I have put myself in a situation where I really need to learn French very quickly or I'm going to be not cool, is that I've thought about what are the, what are the <laughs> accountability mechanisms that will allow me to confidently speak French because that is important to me. That's the motivation now. So that I'm looking at, I've structured my little lesson plan around the little journal. So constructing sentences about the day, listening to music, watching movies. I have school books. So going through my school books, but it's spread out each of these activities. And I like talk to myself around the house in French. And I'll just say like, what a great day or like, like yeah. to imaginary friends <laughs> and ask them how they're going and things like that or like I feel I'm hungry right now I want to eat this thing so I'm trying to get my uh, pronunciation right so I've basically figured out those kinds of things that are going to help me to feel confident to speak it to another person most likely someone that is native speaking French um, and then I've structured it around the week trying to like give myself a mix yeah yeah, cool. I think it, like it's cool from what you're saying it highlights that if someone like respecting people's prior knowledge so the fact that you've done it before and like you have knowledge of it your experience of learning is different to mine because I'm like yes. and I'm just thinking like for our learning solutions how we can like replicate that like if a learner already knows about something but it's been a long time yeah their experience to look compared to someone who's never seen it before I'm just noticing like the difference between our two experiences definitely and I was part of a like a conversation the other day around asynchronous and synchronous learning people can go google that but it's that choice to choose so for me with my French I was like I really I'm going to commit this time but I didn't want to go and sit in a beginner's class again because I don't learn that way and I don't want to sit through the basics I already know the basics but yeah. they won't they won't let me go into a further class because they want me to follow their curriculum and that's too restricting for me so what i've done is designed my own thing and put myself in my kind of test situation um, yeah. which is essentially going to live at someone's house for a weekend that is yeah. french speaking um but there's that side of it which is what you're saying like respect where they're at and also the choice so if we think about like our cohort even like we've got online learning. You can just do the online learning. You can just buy the playbook or you can buy all of it combined with group coaching that's structured, but yeah. led by the person in a like a time commitment. Or there's another part of the coaching that is um, has no limit on when you use it, except for don't walk in while we're sleeping kind of thing. But like that we're giving that choice to the learner that is, motivated to learn yeah yeah that's cool I like it I can see it like an example I can see as well as if 
someone knows a topic really well rather than doing like say an e-learning course or a full-on like structured course they could like just shadow someone who already does it because it's similar to what you're saying where you're just like seeing it play out and you're like oh yeah I remember that yeah yeah it's coming back to me mm. listening and watching and I can see like shadowing someone being better for people who are a bit more advanced in the topic yeah Cool. motivated worker motivated learners will work it out yeah they'll work out if what they're given the awareness is kind yeah. of what I get from that yeah yeah hmm. cool that was a good one hmm. all right Victoria oh do you have what you need Kim yeah thank you I have things to ponder <laughs> um well my question's a bit more simple and I think I have asked <laughs> Sitting here thinking, oh, you guys are talking. I think I have asked something similar before. Oh, God. <laughs> are you just putting this out here to be a brat? <laughs> cause a divide in the team. <laughs> um, so I want to ask your both of your suggestions on, like, note-keeping slash organising because we have a big project coming up. Well, it's mm. sort of started already, but it's likely to go for, like, six months or so. And I have been put in <laughs> the project management position. <laughs> and usually for like for the projects that I have managed so far, by the way. <laughs> very minimal. I've used a Word document and I've just put my notes on it. Some of them have ended up being like three or four pages, mm -hmm. but they've gone for like maybe a month or less. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm concerned that my current system will not work because it will become enormous and I'll lose track of things. And we do have some like project specific things we're planning to use, but I know that I need like my own thing for everything that happens to keep track yeah. of. So yeah, I kind of wanted suggestions maybe from your experience doing it of mm -hmm. how I can better manage notes basically, whether it's like programs or just how you organize them. Because mine is literally just like a Word document with different headings. And that's going to be unmanageable, I think. Yes. I yeah my initial just reaction to your question is definitely do it in a way that works for you because it's your responsibility to manage the project so fucking don't adapt just for the sake of a shiny tool or Kim or Hannah said to do it this way because it changed their lives so make sure you do whatever works for you and adapt maybe little things that are wins from others and it's funny that you're like oh like you know it's four pages like that can be like a lot to track on and I'm like oh my god like I'd be overwhelmed with four pages if I could keep it to one I'd be happy <laughs> so like you're already like doing fine with the volume there like that's subjective in my opinion very short project like if it was 20 but you're but you're sorry actually that was my point is like I would be like oh my god am I going to manage four pages of notes but you're already managing four pages of notes. So you can already deal with a lot of information and whatever system you're using to get through that, unless it's just shit that I'm not aware of and it's like failed for you. And that's why you're awkwardly laughing right now. Um, but like you're already managing something complex, four pages of notes I'd say is complex. You're managing that well already. Apply that, it's just going to be more time of checking more time of actioning more time of reflecting 
So just give your space to do that because I believe your system works already. Well, that's not very useful because give more time. <laughs> what I'd say. I think it's going to time for planning yeah. for group management. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Save her, Hannah. She wants. <laughs> A $39.99 subscription to something that will do it for her. <laughs> I do have an idea if you're open to suggestions, which I think you are. Yes. <laughs> I think what I would do <laughs> is I think I would all, like, rather than just having, like, a line of text for each thing that comes up in a document, I think I'd have, like, I'd organise it more where I would be, like, line of text, what action actually needs to happen against that line of text. So, like, does it need to go on the style guide? Does it need to be communicated to whoever develops? Does it need to be communicated to the client in round two? So I'd have the exact action and then I'd be, like, have you actioned it yet? And if once something is closed off where it's, like, it was only relevant to round one, it doesn't matter anymore, I would just, like, block out that row would be like that's mm -hmm. dealt with now so I'd know as I'm scrolling through the table it's only mm -hmm. like not crossed out that I have to deal with I know exactly yeah. what action I have to take and I know whether I've taken it or not yeah well I guess that like I do record that information already and cross it out and start or like get rid of it or whatever but yeah I haven't done it in like a table format but that would probably help because yeah I just hate like paragraphs and paragraphs and shit not shit. Valuable. Tables, <laughs> Tables are like more organized, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good tip. Thank you. <laughs> when we come on in a few months and I tell you I've got a 300 row <laughs> table that's out of control. <laughs> I've used all my cells in an Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> which is like impossible. <laughs> You're like, what should I do? Um, Okay, let's think, let's build on what Hannah's saying. So I think, yeah, clear like problem that needs to be solved, the solution for that problem, when you're going to allocate time to solving the problem. That's good. If the problem is in progress or solution, like if it's in progress, if it's in, um, if it's been resolved, maybe color highlighting that like red, green, orange. And maybe um, thinking about something like there's, I think it's the racy model, which is like, who needs to be, uh, who's responsible for it, who's accountable for it, who should be consulted and who should be informed. Mm. Might be a bit too complex, might not though, but it's something to know like, yeah, who's owning this, who has it been delegated to, yeah that's all that's coming to mind I think mm, that's useful. That's useful. and just knowing actually that everyone make sure the right people have access to that and that that document that table whatever it is and encourage them to add to it so it's one global checklist for the project of all the contributors and that it's a working document and that if anything is um, crossed off or, I don't know, being actioned, that that person needs to consult you as the product project manager 
so that you're still aware of things like because that I might go on my own little train of journey and then like I could resolve it but I might forget to update the table and then you go oh shit we haven't resolved that problem yet you go off and explore it and I'm like oh I've already made a decision we've taken this action then it might be wasted time so making sure everyone closes the loop with you on actions mm. I don't and <laughs> you don't want people to mess up your pretty little table yeah, if, I know, if I know everything that's in it and where it's at I don't want someone going in with their dirty little fingers <laughs> adding, I wash adding. my hands <laughs> COVID free for life <laughs> um no but it does make sense well yeah you can remember you can give limited like, different... yeah yeah exactly Viewing access. no editing <laughs> without the other thing <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> maybe that's a yeah actually okay two things hold on the next thing I'd say is can you can you structure each of the tasks when it goes from one page to four pages to 400 pages or cells or whatever it is into like maybe things that need to be actioned or resolved per month considering it's a six-month project so that you know like I don't instead of going through just all the challenges that come up and they're in list of I've added this last so it's at the end but it actually might be the highest priority so maybe prioritizing it per when things need to be actioned mm. yeah that's good. and then uh yeah and going back to you like saying I don't want filthy little paws in there um and Yibs is notorious for that <laughs> um is maybe creating a little team discussion time for appropriate stakeholders where things can be discussed so you go I'm I need help with this but I don't need you in there but you can just like in a 10 minute check-in tell me the answer or give me the solution or help me resolve this and we can tick it off so you're you remain fully aware of everything so maybe mm -hmm. like a regular catch up with people so it's clear on where's that thing at like I do that with you guys in your weekly update like I've given you 50 million tasks each of you have 50 million tasks I've got 150 billion tasks and all the other random things that come in. so when things are handed over I hand them over and I just write a list and then I don't check in until like we have the next catch up and I say is that done yes or no and then I just cross it off yeah or I know that you'll come to me if you need support sort of thing so yeah that's what, yeah yeah so those are good tips thank you I will make You're sure welcome. I pick that out I have a little bit more <laughs> yeah I think yeah. like the this project like let's get it right and <laughs> set Vic up for success so that it's a very smooth process for all of us please all of us the team and stakeholders and client <clears throat> I feel like you could also like have labels for the different things and it could be a label could be development, instructional design, client communication, handing over SCORM files so that whenever someone's doing a task, say they're like developing, they could look at the thing as like a read only and be like, what's everything relevant to development that I need to consider? Oh, that's good. That is a good idea. Mm. Well, like I'm about to hand over a SCORM file. What do I need to know? I'll look in the document. What does it say? I like that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
gonna be like a new template I can feel. <laughs> I want nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I can experience the beauty of the template. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, then with that, I'd just say, don't forget to communicate that it is there as a checklist for those people. So like mm -hmm. you're in development, you need to check all the development purple labels in this document as per your task. Yeah. You can put in people's calendar invites and they just have to find it depending on what their task is mm -hmm. for the doc. Yes, yes, I like that. Yeah. It's all good and just know like you do need to give time for that like that will if you act actioned everything that we said it would be the most beautiful little process mm -hmm. and the most efficient and effective it will it could take you a whole day to do that but knowing that one day setting yourself up in that way mm -hmm. is worth like a seamless production for a six-month project yeah considering the intricacies, the multiple parts of the project, the multiple stakeholders. Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I need to stress me out. <laughs> I'm just saying prioritize project management time. Remember it is 10% of the overall project. Make sure you've got the space in there for you to do that properly. It's not an afterthought. Yes. You've been told now. <laughs> Any mistakes going on your paycheck? <laughs> Don't mess it up for the team. <laughs> I will try. I'll have to get a sombrero soon if there's like any more stress that comes that I'm trying to hide, like <laughs> under these hats. <laughs> just joking, people. Just joking. <laughs> Right, cool. Is that? <laughs> yes. like, sorry, she asked now because she's like, it's overwhelming. I have so much to do. <laughs> it would be amazing. We will benefit. Our lives will be just a breeze for the, every single project moving forward. You will be the pioneer of this. <laughs> exciting time That's for you. Your life. <laughs> I just have to. <laughs> Thank you. Well, there was an episode that's probably live now is this one remember it was on delegation so that's probably a backup <laughs> how to get out of it. don't be delegating to me i've got enough on my plate <laughs> all right well on to the next question <laughs> vic i noticed that you had spent quite a bit of time troubleshooting last week and so I've had something come up today where I've needed to troubleshoot and I'm just wondering like from your experience of troubleshooting what advice do you have to get to a solution I probably don't do what I did because I spent way too long on it and couldn't figure it out <laughs> lessons learned then <laughs> I love I how this is exposing things that you haven't <laughs> shared with me kim goes on holidays and then all like we desperately need studio insights because shit went down not jokes i'm anyway traumatizing for the audience i thought it was fine and then i told kim how long i spent and she said yeah you shouldn't have done that um, did i learn from it there i'm not quite sure yet um, it does take well, when I, I've asked Kim this previously, 
and she told me to put some sort of time limit on it. But I struggled with that because I put the time limit on it and then I still didn't have the solution and I needed to find the solution. <laughs> so I just kept going. <laughs> but what did I find useful? Um, I Googled a lot of stuff, looked at like forums and like the help pages for the tool I was using, looked at other projects we'd done to try and get, like find an answer or something similar. Um, I tested everything I did. Um, like if I made one change, I tested it, made another change, test it. Um, just so that I wouldn't like keep looking in case something because there was like a few moving parts to it and I was like I don't want to change like three things and test it and it works but I don't know like which particular thing mm. fixed it yeah um uh when I was really stuck I got you to sit down and have a look at it because I thought maybe I'm just like in it too deep um yeah. I think that's useful to do potentially earlier than what I when I did it but obviously it depends like if you've got people available to help mm. who actually know what they're doing as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> unfortunately, you also couldn't solve it for me. <laughs> Throws are under a bus. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I still find troubleshooting challenging when it's not when it's not like, <laughs> when, I don't know, a lot of the time if like a problem comes up, I'm like, oh, I think it'll be this or this or like something in that area that will fix it. Like I've got like an idea, but with this particular thing, I didn't, there was one thing that I thought it was and that didn't fix it. And then I was like, I actually have no clue like where else to start <laughs> with that. Yeah. Made it more challenging than some of the other troubleshooting I've done because I did feel like completely lost with it but yeah that's when the googling came in which also didn't solve it but it helped me like <laughs> rule lots of things out um uh, none of this is useful but it was just really hard mm -hmm. and I didn't <laughs> it took me forever <laughs> and nothing seemed to help <laughs> I like you tested each part so if it did resolve you knew what had actually been resolved because I could see myself like the changes it yeah. worked like, oh my god I have no idea like what I actually did to replicate it <laughs> yeah well I just think like a lot of the time the same issues can come up again so it's like you want to pinpoint exactly what you did wrong that time to make sure you don't do it again or like what went wrong in this yeah. instance we were changing like we were changing something we hadn't actually made an error they just wanted it done a different way and I wasn't like familiar with yeah how to initially um yeah, I don't know, that was kind of pointless, my whole answer, but <laughs> no, <it wasn't>. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything to add, Kim, like with your, because you've obviously done a lot of troubleshooting in your life as well. <laughs> well, you guys are still problem children, so I'm obviously not very good at it. <laughs> um, actually, I just wanted to ask you, Vic, like when you did get the solution, I might have answers in a minute, Hannah, but I just wanted to continue on this for a minute. When you did get the solution, what were the steps that you, like, if you think about it got resolved, well, I hope I haven't heard about it, but like it got resolved 
and there was a thing that was like that was the thing that was needed to be resolved so think if you go backwards from that point to that point what were the steps that you took um Well, it's difficult to answer. <laughs> First of all, because what ended up fixing it is something I had already tried and it hadn't worked at that stage. And I don't mm. understand why it didn't work when I first tested it and it did eventually at the end. Um, and then another thing, which I haven't told you. <laughs> <laughs> the confessional box. <laughs> That's what this is going to be called in future. <laughs> is Confessions that... and bellies. <laughs> <laughs> cause of this issue too <laughs> um yeah something else actually this is a good learning something else that so there were basically two things I ended up doing that fixed it one of them I don't really know because yeah it didn't work when I tested that the first time and then eventually it did mm. the other thing was that there was an error with the file that mm. we weren't aware of that the client wasn't aware of it had just always existed and it didn't really affect anything but with what we we're trying to fix it did affect it mm. and I wasn't aware of that error but all of the testing I did was using that particular thing that had an error so mm. a lot of like a lot of the things I did to try and fix the problem may have been fixing it but because of that error mm. it wasn't so um, yeah unfortunately it took a while to realize that there was actually <laughs> that error and then I was like crap a lot of the, like all of the testing I did was based on that so everything I've tested potentially wouldn't have ever worked anyway mm. um so I guess the learning from that is I don't know like double check everything before you even start testing double check everything even if you think it's stuff that's like already working mm. like this was just a button that hadn't been like set up properly basically but it looked like it had been um, how did it yeah, how did that reveal itself as an error? Oh, so <laughs> that revealed itself because so Hannah had worked on some of the development. I'm not throwing under the bus again, I promise. <laughs> and actually, Hannah helped me solve it because she had basically something was working fine in their original file and then not in like the new file. Yeah. And Hannah had given me the new file and I said, can you like walk me through exactly what you did when you changed this screen? Mm. Because all of the other screens she'd done were perfectly fine and they were, they were like the exact same screen as this one that wasn't working. Mm. Um, and then when she was explaining, it was something to do with one of the questions, uh, like the quiz, built-in quiz things. Um, and, yeah, when Hannah was, like, going through a little process of what she'd done, she goes, oh, I didn't even touch, like, that question part on that slide. And as soon as she said that, I was like, well, that's a red flag because <laughs> that slide <laughs> changed. Like, that should have, like, that did need to change which I had also missed in my um QA because mm. it was basically like the stuff in the background like the screens worked the right correct and incorrect things popped up and everything but there was just like one box in the background of things that hadn't been changed mm -hmm. so yeah, as soon as she said that I was like that's a problem and it was a problem mm. <laughs> and then it was all fixed um so I I don't know maybe that would have been oh yeah, I like that. Like you just literally got me to say what I had done at the very beginning. And as soon mm -hmm. as I said the sentence, even I was like, I didn't do anything with that. And then I was thinking about mm -hmm. it and then you're like, oh my gosh. And yeah. that's the answer. 
So maybe like starting from the roots or the foundation of where, like it was really how the screen had been done in the first place that was the issue that yeah. we hadn't even looked at. But yes, I think it was tricky because what like we thought the issue was, well, which was still part of the issue, um, wasn't really like related to the other error. So like I wouldn't, that's why I hadn't like checked that. Mm -hmm. So I think that can make it really tricky too if you don't realise that there's like <laughs> another error in some completely different part of the project that's impacting it when <clears throat> it is impacting it. Mm. <laughs> that's a good lesson. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Because I can't really explain what I learned from <laughs> No, I have notes. I've been able to summarise <laughs> what you did. Well, we were like, because I remember looking at like JavaScript and putting in all these like crazy code in the background. Like that was the solution we got to because it just nothing was working. And it was that <laughs> I literally just in the back end had to change the correct answer to something else. But we hadn't even looked at that. We were at the JavaScript code end of things. <laughs> so that is a learning. <laughs> That just made me think of something else too. So like I had been Googling for ages and yeah, it had all these solutions that didn't work. Um, and then when I asked Hannah to look at it, she also Googled and she was talking all about JavaScript saying, oh, like you have to use this, what you're trying to do doesn't work, blah, blah. And I was like, well, that's weird because none of the responses that I got talked about JavaScript mm. or said that that was a solution or that what I was trying to do wasn't possible. So we had like completely different search results. And the way I'd googled it was saying what was it I don't know it was like project not marking complete or something mm -hmm. whereas Hannah had said like how to mark a project complete and just from like phrasing it differently mm -hmm. we got completely different results talking about doing completely different things um which was kind of like frustrating because I'm like you've said this is <laughs> like Hannah was saying oh like that will never work we've got to do it this way whereas nothing, nothing I had read had said that so I guess another learning thing would be when you are troubleshooting, like think of different ways to phrase your problem when you're looking for the answer. Because yeah. it could trigger like a million different solutions that you wouldn't otherwise be able to see. Yeah, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I probably didn't need to tell you like the whole story time, but <laughs> I need to, to remind myself of what it was to know what we did <laughs> and what we learned. I feel like another thing on that is that when you look at certain things, it can, forums can make you think that your problem is because of a certain thing, but that's not always the case. So that happened with me recently where other people were experiencing a, the exact same problem as me. And I was like, that is what, that is my glitch. But my glitch was something completely different. <laughs> Confirmation bias. <laughs> Motherfucker. Thing <laughs> it too. What are they doing? I'm going down this big thing of like trying to fix it the way they did, mm. but it was something different to that. But they confirmed what I thought my issue was because <laughs> of what I Googled. Yeah. Well, I think it's hard because when you are troubleshooting, like you want a solution so badly and you want it like so quickly and you just want it fixed, that as yeah. soon as you see some someone relating to it. A glimmer of hope. Like, yeah, you just want to like latch onto that and be like, that's got to be it. And yeah. a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. So don't have any hope ever. <laughs> don't build your hope. 
Well, I think it's thinking it all the way through as well. Like if you think about the threads and stuff that you can get into on forums, some of them are like two or three pages long. Like I will always read to the end of a thread before following any direction in the thread for that reason. Like yeah. what you said, Hannah, of like it's a completely different problem because you do find like actually they haven't articulated the truth of what the problem is and now you've got a completely different problem. So make sure you read the whole thing through before taking any action. Yeah. So from the summary, Kim, do you have any tips for us to improve? <laughs> I have a little checklist, I think. Um, I think that you need to... Yeah, what I, what I hear is like, ask someone. Ask someone that's either done it before or get another perspective to get out of your own head, like on see it differently. And it's ask early. So there's a certain time frame, maybe for a smaller problem, I would say 15 minutes max, and then you ask for help. If it's a bit of a complex problem, then it's 30 to 45, but then you got to ask for help. Like you're too deep in it then. If you have, if you're not making progress, like I have a next step or I've revealed more information. Now I have a next step to try. That's if you're not making progress, that's too much time sitting there wasted. You need a fresh perspective. So I'd say that. Um, and then it's like comparing the broken thing with something that's working. So do I know something that exists that is working in the same way? And then literally having it screen open and going like, show me the settings on each slide, literally layer one, all triggers, layer one settings, layer two, all triggers, layer two settings. Like, so going through everything that slowly and comparing, and even to the point of, I can't remember now if articulate shows like the conditions, like the if or the variables, it's not just about looking at it in the little, well, I know we're using articulate storyline as an example right now, but not just looking at it in the little like panel on the side, but opening up the trigger and showing that and going into the conditions to make sure that everything is ticked the same in the two files. So I think you've got to take it that slow and it has to be an exact comparison. Um, so that, and then when you are looking for solutions and physically troubleshooting, I think it needs to be the simplest way to make it happen. Like if we never use JavaScript, for example, we don't use JavaScript, then it's unlikely that this is gonna solve our problems because we're not designing solutions that are that intricate that require JavaScript. So that should be a red flag, for example. So looking for the simplest way to make it happen, which is what instructional design is about, make the complex simple. And with that, the simplest means like, can I do this in one action or one change and fix it? Because the more we open it up to one, two changes, uh, two actions that I take, now we have to test two things and the, the knock-on effect of those two things which could actually multiply into 16 things that we have to check as opposed to I've taken one action and I just need to check that one consequence of that action, for example. So I think you've got to really think about if I make all of these, like sometimes like it's, it happens, right? Developers develop things differently. 
Sometimes people will use a true false variable. Sometimes they might use the number variable. Sometimes they might use, um, I can't remember what the other ones are called, but we get the same result, you know, like by doing it just a slightly different way. But mm. to get there, there might be seven steps as opposed to three. So it's like, we should be trying to do it in the less steps because the less things then can go wrong and less things to be QA'd and less things that have a knock-on effect on other screens and stuff like that. So when you get to that point and you've gone, I'm gonna, this is the, maybe you find three different forums and a YouTube video or whatever, and they're kind of similar. That's the thought process that goes to my head is like, which one of them is the shortest to apply to test first? And which one of them is the second criteria has the minimist, minimalist, min, uh, smallest amount of <laughs> consequences that I would need to test because of the knock-on effects. And then when I go to apply that one, I save before I take any action. I take an action, I preview it and test. So I'm not going too far deep into something. Um, that I've basically reworked it and created a new creation that is very far from the original. So continuously saving, test. If that's wrong and if it fails, I can then reopen my saved version and start from the beginning. Mm. That's what I got from your conversation. Yeah. And that's what I, I think it's kind of what I do anyway. Yeah, I did elements of that. I think you need to like, it's a, you've got to, yeah, I guess the mindset is it's methodical. Why do I, I should just turn French and not have to speak English. <laughs> Maybe that's why French is so difficult for me. Uh, what is the word method, meth, methodical? methodical? Yes, thank you. You need to be methodical in your approach to testing. Like it is literally step one, step two. Like mm -hmm. there ain't like, 10 things and I'm just fucking I don't have an analogy yeah yeah it's not scrambled eggs right <laughs> yeah it's like I feel like it's a bit like go slow to go fast like absolutely thing by thing because then you'll get to the solution quicker rather than trying 50 gazillion things and reading 50 gazillion things and it ends up being a long time yeah. absolutely that's absolutely okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was great. Thank you. Ready to troubleshoot, Hannah? Sorry? Are you ready to troubleshoot? I have been troubleshooting and I'm ready to ask for help. <laughs> well, go apply this little thing first. Hold on, Missy. <laughs> You've done exactly in right. <laughs> All right, well, fix available to support. <laughs> no, I'm ready. I sure does. <laughs> Oh, next. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been methodical about it though and it's beyond 15 minutes and I think you're the only person with the unknown otherwise we're gonna test this out and be good to do it live <laughs> see what happens so <laughs> I'll report back people audience next week if Hannah actually has done everything we've spoken about before she big from what I've <laughs> I don't know whether I believe what you said you did. <laughs> Good luck, Chris. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, sometimes all you need is luck. <laughs> Get that four leaf clover. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that was a great studio insight. That was like a hectic, good one, I think. Like, there was a lot going on there. And I feel like we've demonstrated that we're very good at what we do. Yeah. Like, I think that's going to be. <laughs> for our listeners so i hope you all got something from that <laughs> uh, before you go don't forget to check out our human centered design cohort we get great feedback on it it will honestly take your instructional design skills to the next level it's a lot of fun and we'd love to see you there so check it out in the description below if you want to get involved and we will see you for the next studio insights bye what's up awesome human Thank you, thank you, thank you on behalf of myself and the Bell Vista Studios team for continuously choosing to learn with us. We really appreciate it. If the tips and the insights and the context resonate with you and you want to take your skills to the next level or you want to make your life way easier, you will love our Creator Hub. The Creator Hub is a place for people like you and us. Basically, it's the stuff that we use internally at Bell Vista Studios and then we just share it publicly with you. The Creator Hub is created by instructional designers for instructional designers. And what you'll love there at the moment is we've got a quiz, Could I Be a Better Instructional Designer? That has so much tips in the feedback if you're interested in human-centered design or just taking your skills to the next level in terms of the solutions you're creating, the problems you want to solve. But in there as well, aren't we cute? That's us. Um, but we've got the coaching courses, freebies, give us gratitude. And also we've got some templates and basically they're always around the lens of learning experience design, instructional design and e-learning. So a human centered design focus is very much what we're about at Bell Vista Studio. So putting your learners at the heart of a solution and creating something for their needs. So there's the human-centered design stuff and then we've also got the business stuff. So this is the stuff they don't teach you about when you want to become a freelancer or a consultant in the instructional design world. So go check it out. The link is in the description. You can check out everything that is available for you. Thank you for choosing to learn with us. Continuously invest in your skills. You will be rewarded as an instructional designer. Share this stuff, share it with other people because when we are better instructional designers, we create better solutions that create better humans, that create a better world. So we have a very important role and I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Have an awesome day.